Well, I'm really excited and honored. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, share something that's very passionate. I'm very passionate about this. This is a passion of mine. And today I want to talk to you about silence. Have you ever experienced silence? Do you know what silence really is? What about with God? Have you ever had a moment when you're reaching out to God and it just feels like he's just not there? Maybe he's not listening. Or maybe he's mad at you. Maybe you feel like it's just not good enough. I wrote a book about it. That's how much of a passion it is of mine. It's called Beauty in His Silence. And in there I share my experience. It's kind of my testimony about what I experienced when God was silent. And I can tell you that what I experienced in the beginning is very different than what I'm experiencing now. As a matter of fact, I look for God's silence these days. And you'll know why in a little bit. But in order for you to understand where I'm coming from, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. So I have a unique perspective on silence. One, because my dad is deaf. My dad doesn't speak. He speaks in ASL, American Sign Language. It was the first language I've learned. I learned it before I spoke Spanish or English. Uh, and it was one of the first cultures that I was introduced to. A lot of people don't understand that the deaf community is actually a culture. And so my, my perspective on silence is a little bit different than what most people have. I remember growing up with my dad, and it was very different. I didn't have a dad like everybody else. I remember going to school and people talking about their dads, all the students and kids talking about their dads. And my experience was very different. Many, many times, I remember people asking me, what was wrong with my dad? Why was he different? Why can't he talk? And one time we were in the airport, and this is as an adult, and we were flying to Puerto Rico. And so my dad, who can't hear, he also got kicked out of school uh, probably in the second or third grade because he was such a good student. Um, I almost followed in his footsteps. So we were at the airport, and he starts going down a tunnel, and it's the wrong tunnel. So he, he wa he's walking fast. He gets ahead of me, and I'm trying to catch up to him to get his attention so we can go down the right tunnel. And one of the workers there freaks out. And he goes, hey, hey, sir, hey. My dad can't hear him. He's just gone. And then the man says, hey, hey, you, are you deaf? I was right next to him, and I said, as a matter of fact, he is. So I got his attention. And we're walking towards the right. And the guy, the gentleman who, who said, is he deaf, he said, I can't believe how stupid people are. That really that bothered me. I'm glad my dad couldn't hear that. And there were many times where I experienced this. I saw this firsthand where people thought that my dad was less than. In the deaf community, they face such high, strong, incredible discrimination. And I, I just want to let you know that deaf people can do everything that we can do except one thing, and that's here. And based on my experience with my dad, I wonder about that too. So my experience with it is a little bit different. 
as I went through life seeing how my dad was treated and how I was treated because of it, I started to think silence, no bueno, not good. Every time I experienced silence, the silent world, it was just a, a, a negative experience for me. And I, I prayed for the Lord to heal my dad, but it, it never happened. And I have a feeling it's because I had a lot to learn. A lot to learn, a lot to experience because of it. And so, when I was 25 years old, I grew up in church and, you know, I grew up in a church that, uh, that, that contradicted itself, right? They would tell you God is love, but in every other way they would tell you you're going to hell because you have a mustache or your hair's too long or you're wearing jeans or you're whatever. So I, I got tired of that and I said, if that's what God is like, I want nothing to do with God, I cut out. But at 25, I came back to church and I was excited because I really, I really did find the Lord. But, but here's the challenge, is that when I did find him, I found out that he was silent. Could you imagine the experiences of someone who, who saw silence as something horrible? And then you find God, and all of a sudden now God is silent. That's a challenge. So it was tough for me. My relationship with God was tough. It was very up and down. There were moments when I would say, I'm out of here, God. And then there were moments when I would say, God, come back, come back, God. And then there were moments when I would say, I'm mad at you, God. And then there were moments when I would say, God, forgive me, please. And, and it was so up and down because I just couldn't figure out this whole thing. I used to watch other people, and other people would have these amazing relationships and revelations from God. And every five seconds, God talked to them, and God never really said anything to me. And they would have dreams and, and visions and all kinds of stuff, and God never showed up. I want to read a verse to you, and this is kind of like one of my life verses. I have a few of them. And this is, this is where it started for me. It was at this verse that God began to reveal what silence was all about. Now, I'm talking to you from my perspective, my experience. Here's what I've learned about the silence of God. Psalm 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in all the earth. I love that verse. There's a problem for me when I first read it. Be still and know that I am God. And that be still thing really troubled me because that be still kind of, for me, it was being in the silence again. And for me, silence was very, very uncomfortable. Be still and know that I am God. What does it mean? And some people, and I have had conversations, some folks believe that being still before the Lord is literal. Just stop what you're doing. Stop living. Shut down. Stop. Until God says something, don't you dare move. Don't you dare do anything. I've come to know that that's not what it means. 
Now, in order to understand Psalm 4610, we've got to do a little bit of backstory, right? So I, I love digging through the Bible because I find so many things. Um, I, it just kind of, for me, uh, learning in the context of different things just makes it more applicable, right? Makes it more relevant. So I want to encourage you, if you have the Bible app, it makes it real easy to cross-reference. Back in the day when I started, you know, we used to have to walk uphill and, 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 and both ways to go to church. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm just telling you that I'm probably a little older than most of you. Um, but anyway, so, so back in the day, we would have, you know, these things called concordances and, and reference. These were books like, like this. And, that, and you open it up and you pray, Lord, please help me find something in this. In the, right? So, but now you have the Bible app and you put a keyword in and it finds everything you need. So everyone in this room should be a Bible scholar right about now. Right? So anyway, so the backstory story is, is that apparently um, during this time, during the time that this was written, right, uh, th- there's a whole thing going on. Psalm 46, Psalm 47, 48, it, it, they're all connected, and most scholars believe that, that the city of God, which is Israel, that's how it's referred to in, in the Psalms, right? And, and it, it, the, most scholars believe that Israel was under a huge attack, Right? So back then, there was this army, the Syrian army, and, and they were huge. They were, like, they, were like, um, they were like the Chicago Bulls. Remember them with Michael Jordan? That's what they were like. And, and, they, and they put fear into people's hearts. And so Israel kind of saw them attacking, and they kind of got nervous, right? And so apparently, this happened around 700 years before Christ, and, and so these guys were kind of, they didn't know what was coming yet. They had some ideas, but now they're under attack, and they don't know what to do. Has that ever happened to you? Where you're kind of kind of hearing from God and trying to get it together, trying to move forward, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something happens. And, and all that you know, all that you're standing on is gets shaky. Well, this is what was going on with them. And so, you know, obviously, uh, a good king, King Hezekiah of Israel, he said, I have to turn to God. We have to figure this out. So he sent some people over to the prophet, and, the, and he says, find out what the prophet says. Find out what the Lord says to the prophet, and we'll go from there. So they go to the prophet. The prophet says, hey, guys, stop freaking out. God's got you. I think, I think Pastor Ryan said, what was it? I got you. God's got you. So first thing I want you to know today, look at somebody right next to you or on the other side or behind you or in front of you and tell them, God's got you. All right, all right. I know it's a little early. I know it's a little early. And maybe God's got you because you woke up an hour, you know, before you should have or whatever have you. But uh, God's got you. God's got you. And so as far as I can tell, there is great stress. There is great great uh, fear going on in Israel. And in 2 Kings, this is where the story, so the connection between Psalm 46 is 2 Kings 19. And in 2 Kings 19, we see the story. And so as this great Syrian army is going around and starting to surround the city of God, and I kind of love this. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about the other part, but so in the middle of the night, this is the strongest army in the middle of the night, God sends an angel, one angel. Everybody go like this, one. One angel. One angel, and that angel took out 185,000 
soldiers. One, I'm not sure you're getting this. One angel, 185,000. So the Bible says that God has given us the angels to minister to us. I don't know, I'm doing the math, right? And if I have an angel that's ministering to me, and that one angel can take out 185,000, yes. I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> right? Does that sound good to you? Yeah. And so when, when, when King uh, uh, Sennacherib, uh, he, he wakes up and he sees all these people been slain, and his army's been reduced, he says, I'm out. He picks up what's left, and they leave town. They go quickly. And you can imagine Israel's relieved and they're excited and they're celebrating. It's an amazing thing that's happening. But here's a couple of things I want you to kind of get. So in verse 9, it says that God is the God that makes wars cease. And then right after that, it says, be still and know that I am God. So this is kind of, a, 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 kind of amazing that, that we know, God, do you know that God makes wars cease? Whatever, if they're spiritual or whatever they have, God's in control. He's got this. Whatever you're facing today, God's got it. Whatever war is being waged against you spiritually, God's got it. And we know that. Then he tells them to be still. So here's a couple of things I want you to know about being still. Being still doesn't mean literally being still. We look at the people of Israel, and what they've done is they said, okay, we got the message from the prophet Isaiah. We're going to continue to be ready. We're just not going to do anything. We're going to continue to be ready. We're just not going to jump into war. And so this is what happens sometimes when we're trying to be still and know that he is God, is sometimes we don't get ready. Because God is doing something. He's doing things. In the background, in the heavenlies. He's putting things in order and in place. And because we don't get ready for it, sometimes we miss it. We miss a God moment. And that was what was happening to me. I was missing God moments left and right. So many times God wanted to get my attention. So many times God wanted just to be with me. And I was missing it. Because I wasn't being still. I couldn't get the hang of what it meant. I couldn't understand that being still meant something different. And the reason why it's important to understand the backstory here, here's why. It's because the importance is that it shows us the posture and the position. The posture and the position of silence. Sometimes we get into the silence and we get uncomfortable and we get kind of antsy and we get kind of fidgety and we have to be doing something, right? Does that ever happen to you? You know, you're ever talking to somebody and all of a sudden it just gets quiet, awkward, right? And you, nobody knows what to do. So it's kind of like, well, um, nice uh, hanging out with you. We'll see you next week. And sometimes we do that to God. We sit there and God's kind of silent and you're kind of silent. And there's some more silence. And we go, well, nice talking to you, Lord. See you next week. Yeah. We're going to find out something different about that silence. 
So, you know, it, it's interesting. One, one time I was with my dad and we were waiting to go into a restaurant and we were kind of online. That was the back in the days when restaurants were packed. Uh, I don't not anymore, right? And so we're, we're waiting and it's really early in the morning and there's this whole beautiful scene around us unfolding and he was very quiet. And, and I looked at him and I said, hey, what, what's going on? Are you okay? He goes, no, 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 I'm fine. But I, I, I could almost see tears in his eyes. And I asked him again, what's, what's going on? Are you all right? And he just said to me, well, I'm being still, and I'm looking around, the birds, and I'm trying to figure out what the birds sound like. And I, hear the, I see the leaves moving in the trees, and I'm trying to figure out what do they sound like. Yeah. And, and he even talked about squirrels. I don't know what kind of sound <laughs> squirrels make, but anyway. So, so then I said, well, what does it sound like to you? And in his own way, he started making the sounds. And he got it right. He made the sounds that birds would make. He made the sounds that leaves rustling would make. And I asked him, how do you know that? He goes, well, I try to be still, and I try to focus and hear. Wow, that, that was so deep for me. It blew me away. And so that made me understand a little bit better about being in the still. Not necessarily giving up or walking out or saying, hey, this is too quiet for me. But it's really preparing yourself for what God is doing, what God wants to reveal to you. And most of the time, God thinks you're really, really cool, and he just wants to hang out with you. Did you know that? Look at somebody right next to you and tell them, hey, God thinks you're cool. You don't sound very convinced. God makes us still gives us this opportunity because there's so much noise around us. Have you ever noticed? I mean, all you got to do is turn on the news. It's crazy noise out there. Look at your bank account. There's crazy noise going on in my bank account. Look at your retirement. Well, maybe, maybe just me and two. Right? There's cra- it's noise everywhere. And if we start hearing the noise, guess what we're not going to be able to feel and be in and understand? It's the presence of God. The noise robs you of the peace. The presence of God robs you of the noise. There's a difference. And so the Bible says that sometimes he quiets things down. Being still. The Hebrew word refers to, when we look at the Hebrew word for being still, it refers to being silent, being quiet. It refers to being weak and giving something up. It's that idea of being still. I recognize this is a God thing. I recognize I need God. We were just singing that just a little while ago. I recognize that God has to step. If he doesn't, it's not going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And so, so being weak and submitting, giving. Because the Bible says that when we are weak, he is? Oh, you know it. You know it. You know it. That, that you version app is working. And so when, he, when we are weak, he's strong. So when we want God to be strong, what do we got to be? Weak. That's not, I don't like that word, right? That's not, a, especially me, I, I just don't like being referred to as weak. But we're talking about 
not weak, I'm not, I, I'm not strong. It's weak as in I'm giving in. I'm surrendering. I'm putting myself in God's hands. I'm relinquishing control to the Lord. That's how he becomes. And, and if you want God to be strong in your life, you got to be weak. You got to render position. You got to surrender. You got to let him be God. That's hard. That's hard to let God be God. Because if you're anything like me, you're a little bit of a control freak. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. And you just have trouble letting anybody do anything. Because after all, nobody can do it like me. Right? But what I don't understand is that that's the attitude and the message that I'm sending to God when I can't be still. I'm saying, God, yeah, you're the creator. Yeah, you've been there since forever past and forever future. Yeah, there's nothing impossible for you. But you just quite can't do it like I can. How ridiculous does that sound? But that's the message that we're saying. And so, what does it mean to be still in God? Here, listen to this. It's knowing that he's sovereign. Is he sovereign? You know what sovereign means? Is that he knows all things. He can do all things. There's nothing impossible for him. He's got you. His promises are real. They're yes and amen. He will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never stop loving you. It says knowing he will not renege. How many times has somebody broken a promise to you? God won't. God will not take back what he gives you. God will not take back and break any promises to you. And if you feel like he has, I suggest you really examine what's going on. Really take a look at why do you feel that way? What's causing that? Because one thing I know is God will not break a promise. God will not take back what he gives to you. He owes us nothing. Did, did you know that? Some of us walk around like God owes us a lot. But God, you brought me into this thing. Now you're going to have to take care of everything that I need. And, and you know what? He will. But what have we done to cause him to owe us anything? So it's funny how we, we put God in a position where we, we're, we're actually, you know, saying, God, you owe me. You've got to do this for me. No, no, when we take that attitude, we set ourselves up for failure and for the, science, the silence to be deafening. He's the creator. Know these things because when you know these things, things change the way you see things, the way you experience things, and what you could be for other people in their things. And being still, like still can continue to live. Oh, my gosh, God's not talking to me. I can't do anything. My life is over. It's not. It, it might just be beginning. And so we can live. We can continue to dream. Dream big. We got a big God. Dream God-sized dreams. These are the things that you could be doing in the silence so that the silence is not deafening. Continue to desire, want things. Continue to aspire to be something. 
and continue to receive purpose and fulfillment. Know that he and he alone is God. Only he and he alone is God, even in the silence. There's another verse, Psalm 65, 1. I love this verse. I'm a big Psalms guy. Psalms really captures how I feel sometimes. In Psalm 65, 1, it says, Praise is awaiting you, O God in Zion. And to you, the vow shall be performed. Now, I find it curious that the psalmist was implying that praise could wait. And being the curious person that I am, I decided to do my thing. I did a little word search and started looking. And and in Hebrew, and uh, I found out that the word for awaiting is dumia. That's the Hebrew word, dumia. And dumia, that word, it refers to silence. So I started thinking about that silence, and and I started looking at the verse again. And when you apply it, it reads something like this. To you, silence is praise, O God, in Zion. So listen to what I'm telling you right now. When you're in your silence, when you feel like God's not close, when you feel like God's not hearing you, when you feel like God's not there, depending on your posture and position in silence, You could be praising God with the silence. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Lots of times we believe that praising God is with words and jumping and music and doing. When most of the time praising God is with being. Here's what I've learned. Mia, silence, silence is Sometimes God just wants to be with you. Isn't that cool that the creator of the universe carves out time intentionally so that we could sit down and just be in his presence? We sang about that, being in his presence. You see, God would rather you take time, sit down, and be in his presence. You enjoy him and he enjoy you. Then you run around doing all these things and never have experienced time with the creator. Intimate quality. I will tell you this, that more happens in the silent presence of God than anywhere else. More transformation, more miracles, more revelation, more growth begin to know who God is. Sometimes God just wants to be with you. Isn't it a strange concept? Have you ever been with someone, you're sitting there, you don't say a word, but you're hanging out? I have a buddy of mine who I go fishing with. And this buddy of mine, we go fishing, we'll fish for hours. We never say a word to each other. At the end of that fishing, hey, man, it's great. We got to do it again. Man, love you, bro. All right. Great time. We never said anything. We were just enjoying each other's presence. I'll close with this story. One morning, I decided a Friday morning, I got up real early to go fishing because the week was tough. The week was one of those. You ever have one of those weeks where you're going, this week can't end quick enough? I was praying with a friend for some things, and it just didn't work out. I 
was very disappointed, got out, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm praying. I cast two lines out, and I said, well, Lord, you know what would be great? If I can catch two huge fish right now, that would make up for the, for the week that I just had. It didn't happen. But as the sun's going up, I felt like, you know, you ever have that still, small voice talking to you? Sun's going up. It was absolute. Do you ever see the sun come up on the Gulf of Mexico? It's amazing. And I heard this. Who makes the sun go up? And I said, well, um, you, God. And who do I do it for? And that's when I took a step. And I said, oh, what? what? Well, um, right now, I'm here, so you do it for me. And I heard God say, exactly. And in that moment, I felt the presence of God like I've never felt it. It was just me and God, the pier, the gulf. And if anybody was watching me, they would have thought I was crazy. Because I raised my hands up. I started praising the Lord. It was amazing. It was amazing. Nothing like it. Sometimes the silence is him clearing all the noise so that we can be still and place ourselves in the position and posture to enter his awesome presence so we don't miss the God moments that he's prepared for us. So I want to encourage you today. Don't miss the God moments. The beauty in his silence is a real thing. And you can decide that's like. You can continue to think silence is negative like I used to and run away from it, or you can see the beauty in the silence of God and run towards it. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you for the group of people that are here. I thank you, Lord, because you are alive and well and active in your silence. And it is there that we learn valuable lessons and we feel you, your presence it becomes real to us. Father, if anyone here is struggling with silence, if anyone here is facing silence where they they just need to know that you're there, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength. Lord, it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. God bless you.